this week, we've got Big Willie style around here as William Miller, brand manager for Heartland RV, joins Jason to talk about his role in improving customer relations. Plus, we boondocked in the Sabre. We installed some solar on the Sabre, and we had to delay this podcast. And now we are heading to NASCAR. This is RV Miles. RV Miles is sponsored by L.L. Bean, dedicated to helping you experience all the benefits of time outside and stay more comfortable while you're out there. From soft and breathable activewear designed to do it all, to just right layers perfect for changing weather, to sun smart clothing that blocks the sun's harmful rays, every L.L. Bean product is made with comfortable time outside in mind. Visit LLBean.com to shop now. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. Welcome to the RV Miles Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our three boys, have been crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip since 2016. Here at RV Miles, we talk about everything from lifestyle and destinations to industry news, our national parks, and so much more. Wow. We are coming to you from Montrose, Colorado, again in our final days in, in the Montrose area and we are worn out. <laughs> we worn have out. a real busy time lately and uh, uh, lots of stuff going on and lots of travel on its way soon. Yeah, you better get some rest. We can't <laughs> afford to be worn out. We just finished an entire week at the RV Entrepreneur Summit, which we will talk about in our Fresh Tank Black Tank. But while we were there, we boondocked for the first time in the Sabre, or as we call it around RV Miles, the Sabre. <laughs> and we did six nights. Six nights with nothing except we did install an extra battery as we were waiting for our solar to arrive. Yeah, we're waiting for our lithium batteries. We, mm -hmm. So we had our, our solar system came. Um, yes, and can we talk about how it was delivered? Because, look, Heath and Alyssa said, you can have, a, of course you can have packages delivered here. Everyone can have packages. So we said, hold our beer. We're going to have FedEx Freight deliver, and they're going to drop everything off on a pallet, and it's going to be this big ordeal. And so we really did take the package delivery to, like, next level. We really like to kick things up when we have packages delivered in Montrose. Yes, and it wasn't essential that we got our, our solar installed right away where we uh, we have this great system from go power the solar extreme kit uh, it's going to be 590 watts of solar uh, a giant inverter charger slash transfer switch box thing um, and then a couple lithium batteries it's going to be 500 amp hours of lithium batteries so the the lithium batteries are still delayed everything has been delayed all year long not with just with them but obviously everything on earth um so we're still waiting on the batteries and uh, but the solar came and we had to figure out what to do with it because yeah. we couldn't just have these giant solar panels like riding around until we could install them somewhere so i had to get them on the roof uh in very very hot weather with a bright white roof reflecting right back at me i'm a little sunburnt uh and uh, but i did get the panels installed on the roof i got the wiring ran um, but that's where I'm at. But the wiring was the hardest part. And then now I just got to hook everything up. And I think we'll be good to go. But point is, 
we boondocked without the solar mm-hmm. for six and whole days. Just one additional, you know, we had the the eighty amp hour wet cell battery that came with the RV, and we just added a second one, which allowed us to basically run the fridge for a day with with topping the batteries off with the generator mm-hmm. once a day or so. And of course, because we were boondocking, the temperature here in Colorado decided to soar into the 90, 91, 92 range the entire week that we were there. It's gorgeous now this week that we are now on air conditioning and full hookups and all of that. But last week was definitely sort of an adventure in boondocking, one that we had kind of said, we don't want to have this adventure again anymore where we're camping in super hot, hot weather. But <laughs> without air conditioning. Like we yes. our our generator is is one of the smallest. It's only sixteen hundred watts. Well, it's our backup um, generator to the one that was stolen. Exactly. So. so it can't really run an air conditioner, especially even with the soft start that we installed. We did install a soft start on one of our air conditioners. But, um, but especially in, in elevations like this, where where are we? What are what's our elevation here? Sixty seven hundred, I believe. Yeah. So the higher you go in elevation, the the less output generators have. Mm-hmm. So um, so that really cuts it down a bit, and we weren't not able to start a, a air conditioner. So it was just hot. <laughs> it was hot, but you know what? We did have somewhere to go to and escape to. They've got this great, what they call the schoolhouse there at the campground that Heath and Alyssa are building. There was air conditioning in there, you know, workspaces and school rooms and bathhouses and stuff. So we had all of those things. We weren't roughing it at all. You know, we were just a hop, skip and a jump from town. We went in and ate dinner. We were totally fine. It was an incredible week. And like I said, we'll talk more about that later on. We are... Uh, as I said, we're getting ready to leave this area, though. We are in this campground that we're at. We're in a full hookup campground uh, in Montrose right now for a couple more days. And then we then we book it to Las Vegas, which isn't so direct to get to from from Montrose, no. Colorado. you got to cross over. a mountain range somehow unless you want to drive the million-dollar highway straight down south and I don't think we're going to do that with a 43 foot rig what do you yeah what do you think my answer to that would be yeah it's uh it's a there's some tight turns on there and I don't think we're doing that so we're going to go up to uh we're going to go up to I-70 from here and then over into Utah and and down um but we are on our way to uh, a NASCAR race in Las Vegas. Yeah, this is pretty wild and pretty awesome. So NASCAR reached out to us about a month ago and said, hey, are you guys in the area and are you interested in coming to check this out? Now, we are not you know, NASCAR people. Obviously, we know what NASCAR is and we are related to people who super love NASCAR, but it's not something that we have ever considered doing. But this was such a very cool opportunity because NASCAR is really interested in highlighting what it's like to RV at an actual event. So that's why we're going. I've been wanting to do this for oh. a very long time. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I see. But secrets not, I, I secrets mean, don't make friends, Jason. I, I watch. I mean, I, I've watched several races, but I'm I am not a a huge race person. But I have always thought it's so cool that you can you can camp in, inside the track. Um, we're actually not camping inside the track. No. We're doing the full hookups that are just outside, <laughs> but like overlooking yeah. the track, which is really cool. And we're gonna get to you know get up at close and personal with all the cars and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, we don't have any expectations other than we expect to have a 
pretty amazing time and to learn a whole lot about what it's like to attend a NASCAR event. And we're really excited to be able to share that with you all too. Like we'll obviously be talking about it here on the podcast. And then I think we will probably do a dedicated video just kind of highlighting the different ways that you can RV at NASCAR. But also they really wanted to show that families can also attend events like this. So that's going to be another focus. We will have our boys with us and we'll all be able to experience this. And um, maybe we can redeem Vegas for Ethan because, you know, it was not his favorite place the last time we were there three years ago. So I, you know, Ethan's on a redemption tour. (laughs) Vegas is on a redemption tour, I should say, with Ethan. Uh, I wanted to, uh, since we this podcast episode is delayed, a, yes. a bit, and we also did not do a a news episode. No, uh, last week I did want to slip one piece of RV industry news in here because it is kind of a kind of a big thing. You um, can't just put it in the news you're going to be putting out in well, a few days I'll, if it's I'm, so big. I'll put it in that as oh. well. But this is <laughs> you're going to you double know, dip. Okay, this happened like ten days ago now. So, okay, <laughs> uh, the the retail registrations for RVs. So that's the actual number of our new RVs that are registered at DMVs across Mm -hmm. the country in July. So the numbers we have now for the month of July just came out down 25% over last year. So it is starting to cool off a Mm -hmm. little bit and you, you can talk to some dealers and our friend Josh, the RV nerd over at Halo RV YouTube channel uh, mentioned on a video recently that they're starting to get some more RVs on their lot. Dealer inventories are starting to be replenished a bit because the industry is still making the same number of RVs, but fewer people are buying them. Now, 25% less than July of last year isn't saying a lot because it's still the second best July on record. Last June and July were absolutely crazy for RV dealers. And, uh, and, And this June and July are still... Very, very busy, even though both of those months were a little bit down from last year. The really interesting thing to me, though, Class A motorhomes down 38% over last year. And I think a lot of that has to do with with the, the fact that even though inventories are maybe starting to get replenished on dealership lots, it takes a lot longer to build a Class A motorhome yeah. and it, it it just takes longer for those to be built and and get back onto lots and a lot of people are just ordering them and I know. wonder and I think this is going to be a conversation for a different episode but I have a lot of thoughts on this too in kind of the shifting demographic as well of the RV or you know we just recently read something from um, the RVIA that was talking about how in a recent survey that they did, 27% of RVers on the road right now that were a part of this survey are what they consider young families under the age of 45 with children still living at home. That's the biggest number they've ever seen in that particular demographic. Yeah. And I wonder if some of what we're seeing in regards to popularity in sales and areas is really being influenced by that. Yeah. That's a whole, you know, there's no research behind that right now. That's just kind of like my gut instinct. I think and that's it's probably I, a different time I, I for a different that's conversation. Certainly part of it. But I, I there's also the fact that more people own trucks than ever. Oh, now. So and popular. So we've actually seen over the last several years the market share of trailers 
go much higher um, than it was before. So trailers used to be about 85% of RVs sold, and now they're more than 90% of RVs sold. So you're you're going to see motorhomes continue, even though more motorhomes than ever are being <laughs> sold still. Uh, yeah. they're, they're not picking up as much speed as trailers are because so many people are buying trucks right now. 70% of new vehicles sold in the U.S. are pickup trucks. Well, there you have it. See how I was like, this is a conversation for a different time. And then, and then we had like, it anyway. Yeah, and then you were like, no, this is a conversation for right now. <laughs> All right, well, <laughs> we're going to take a break and have another conversation <laughs> with our friend Willie Miller from Heartland DRV and, and Cruiser, who is new to the RV industry, fairly new. And he's going to share a lot of his insights about jumping in and really trying to overhaul customer relations and the uh, customer perception of the RV industry. What a breath of fresh air this guy is. And if you ever get a chance to have breakfast with him, I highly recommend it. <laughs> we'll be right back. Travel may seem a bit confusing right now. Out Travel, the system is here to help. The podcast brought to you by Expedia is full of tips and tricks from experts so you can hack your travel. Have confidence as you plan your next road adventure or dream vacation thanks to OutTravel, the system. Subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this show. My guest today is one Mr. William Miller, better known as Willie from Heartland Cruiser and DRV. Will, Willie, William, welcome to the show. Jason, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> how, are you, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I, um, you know, there's a lot in front of me, so I'm just trying to take one day at a time and uh, slowly make some progress. So you are, uh, you're the, you're the national brand manager, right? That's your position for these wonderful companies. Um, what you've been on the job not so long, and you're not from the RV industry. What led you here, and um, and what are your impressions so far? Um, okay, so uh, <laughs> you are correct. Uh, I am new to the RV industry, and uh, you know, in many facets, um, it has to be the word I use is overwhelming, and in, in, in many ways, and I'll speak to that. My previous experience, you know, I spent the last um, well more than a decade working for a uh, privately owned Japanese manufacturer, advanced robotics, uh, very limited and human manufacturing process. Um, and most industries that we served was uh, precision electronics, uh, aerospace. Um, you know, we worked with automotive companies such as Tesla, uh, a lot of precise automation at micro scale. So to spend over a decade of traveling from Tokyo to Japan to Pitakaba, Israel, and just about everywhere in between, to now residing most of my time in Elkhart, Indiana, um, that's a big change in itself. <laughs> and then, um, you know, when you look at the products that we're manufacturing, you know, our processes are different. Uh, this industry, uh, regardless of the brand, um, is not uh, advanced robotics. Um, there's a lot of uh, good old American manufacturing manual labor. So that in itself uh, provides a lot of new challenges and opportunities that I've been exposed to in the last 10 months. Um, the other thing that I speak about, which is when I say overwhelming, it's it's unique in the timing in which I've joined Heartland. 
Um, I think for the industry as a whole, you know, you and Abby speak to it better than anybody. This is probably the most awkward or unique time for anybody to start a career in the RV industry where the demand is breaking, you know, records in history. Um, so there's a lot to take in, understanding the channel to market, um, taking a look at the product. Obviously, every brand is working to make a good product. But when you look at the diversity of what people are doing with the products that we make, that in itself is overwhelming. Trying to understand, you know, what are the real needs for innovation? And then what is just lipstick? And trying to differentiate and understand while racing to be a better manufacturer for the customer um, there's a lot that's, uh, you know, for me to be learning and I'm learning every single day. So your job is, uh, you know, people might get excited about your history and robotics and stuff and be like, you're bringing that to the industry, but your job is, your job's a little bit different than that. You're communicating uh, about the brand, right? And, and, uh, and you've, you're doing that in a, in a way that is different than I think a lot of people have been used to. Uh, talk to us about sort of what your mentality is in in sort of sharing the Heartland brand with uh, with the world. So I think you know the first thing, uh, and and I want to give credit to uh, our president Ryan Jude. Um, he created this position. Um, the titles, you know, it's fancy, it's new, <laughs> uh, but really, what impresses me was his vision for what he wanted me to do. As you know, as all of your listeners know, for Heartland or any other manufacturer in the RV industry to hire another guy or gal with gel in their hair, excited to tell you how great that new paint scheme is or the new front cap, we, we have saturated that. And I think that our leadership recognized that as the internet has exposed every manufacturer every opportunity to improve the product. We also recognize that the customers no longer want to be sold on how great the product is. What they want to better understand is when they're investing their money and they're on their buying process, what are they getting at that price point, regardless of how pretty it looks? Every customer is going to see that when they do their own research on their own. Every customer is going to see that when they walk through every floor plan. So for our leadership to recognize that, hey, we need somebody that's going to be out there listening to three brands that I represent under the Thor Industries umbrella, which is Heartland RV, Cruiser RV, and DRV. This does not mean that people meet Willie, they shake my hand, and Willie's going to fix everything. What first needs to happen before you make any change, and, and I apologize all the time, you know, I post, I'm pretty active, just kind of sharing my day-to-day. I understand that when you're a big company, to pivot and make a change, it can't be a knee-jerk reaction. That doesn't help a lot of people that maybe have some challenges or problems, but this is the work that I'm doing. For example, a given manufacturer selects a certain tire manufacturer for the tires that are going to be on a given brand. If Willie is out in the market and hears from a lot of customers, hey, these tires are bad and here's why, and that's consistent, then I can communicate that to our leadership team. And then as a company, what customers don't realize and why I have to be a voice is start explaining that process of us making a change if we were to. For example, if we were with tire manufacturer A and our customers who have been full-time RVing like RV Miles does, communicates repeatedly that you know tire brand B is a better tire, here's the caveat. 
what if tire A that we selected has 900 service locations throughout North America, but the better tire only has five. And because we sell through our dealer network, if our dealers don't have tire B, then we might put a better tire on for our RV miles, but they're not going to be able to get servicing as much. So there's just a lot of communication that I think has been void in the industry. And within my role, I'm trying to, I guess, you know, communicate from what I listen to from the customer and what I learn when I share that information to our leadership team and then start communicating that to our customers again so they can do the research on their own whether it's making a repair or a fix with a dealership, you know, the elephant in the room, there's not enough people to do servicing. So what are we hearing about? If anybody follows RV Miles podcast, it has been shared quite frequently. There is a huge decline or a huge absence in service centers across the country, thus resulting in people having their RV be held hostage for three, six, eight months. And here in the Midwest, we have a shorter camping season that doesn't make your investment all that exciting. So those are the things where, like I said, this isn't going to be an easy task. Um, I sleep a lot less. Um, I have a lot of empathy. And I have to just try to balance that I can only do so much as one person trying to listen to a lot of people in the industry. So the um, is, as much as a lot of people don't think this is happening, I, my impression has been that many brands uh including yours in particular have been have been listening i mean your your hiring is a big part of that but but have been actually doing things to adapt and i think a big part of that is um is trying to ramp up the the pdi the pre-delivery inspection that happens on site as opposed to at the dealer, because we all know it has to happen at the dealership because that RV has got to travel a thousand miles to get to that dealership and anything could happen on the way. That dealer has got to do some stuff to button it up. But those those dealers, as you mentioned, are, are backlogged with just tons of people trying to get their RVs fixed. So in order to help the dealers out, of course, and to help their customers out, I feel like a lot of manufacturers are investing big right now in doing a lot more quality control. What What's your sense of how that's happening uh, among your brands? Well, not only just our brands, but I do want to give some credit where maybe some of the listeners are going to roll their eyes. Our dealers are making huge investments too. I mean, if you look across the country, um, and I'm not going to get into naming specific brand, uh, dealers, so I don't get in trouble for not mentioning someone else, but there are some big dealers out there that are spending millions of dollars to increase PDI facilities. They're spending millions of dollars to uh, improve the education and training and career advancement for servicing, all for a goal of more people to be happy. So, you know, as I'm listening to customers, I'm also listening to our dealers, you know, trying to understand what processes do we have to improve on without, again, the cliche of, you guys just make crap. Well, that doesn't help us. Can you give us a little clarity? You know, so I would say that what I'm seeing our brands doing, and I'm sure other brands are doing it too. This isn't a, maybe on a soapbox for just, you know, our portfolio of brands. We recognize that we have to get better. And when you have manual operation versus robotics, where you go to an HDMI touchscreen and say, okay, we're off three thousandths here in this process. When you have human error, you 
to start isolating problems. So I, what I see happening, and not just through me, you're seeing a lot more transparency and communication. For example, heartlandrvs.com, for the first time ever, credit to our marketing team, said, hey, we're not only going to have a phone number, we're also going to have a chat service. We're also going to have an email. We're going to start sharing more information. We're making uh, investments on you know, more inventory because some of the feedback is dealers, just like right now, they don't have fully assembled RVs. They don't have a lot of parts in stock either. And I'm not going to keep using the excuse that every manufacturing sector states is this COVID pandemic. We all know that. now. So moving forward, what are we doing? So I see a lot of things happening at scale. I see process improvements happening. I'm seeing a lot of uh, training investment happening in the staff. I see a lot of effort uh, being put forth to improve retention and also employee happiness. Because, you know, if we want our quality to improve any brand, you need to have a culture where people are taking more pride in the work that they're doing. Um, you know, people that have personal or life challenges going on, we have to be more empathetic to those things to support our employees so they can continue producing better quality as opposed to emotionally that affects their effort during, you know, an eight or a 10 hour shift. So that's what I'm seeing from the manufacturer. I'm seeing a lot of money being spent and effort. Again, I draw a line in the sand. It doesn't help anybody right now that's having problems. But the one comfort that I take in coming into this industry is I see these gears are in place. Maybe it's taken too long. That falls on the industry. But at least I take comfort since I started the last week of September that it's been happening since I started. So what do you say to, to somebody that has, they have bought a new RV and they've got, um, you, you know, they've, they've got a major problem. There's there, they have a roof leak within, you know, the first month of ownership and it's got to, uh, go through some major repair. How, how does, how does a company like yours deal with that? I think that our company is working on dealing with it the same way other brands are trying to lead the industry in being better, which is be more empathetic, uh, fall on the sword when the mistake is made, uh, bring a lot more clarity, and again, bring a solution, right? So let me give an example. I don't care what brand of RV that's out there. When people have an issue, I hear a lot about warranty. Well, I have heard where customers will reach out to me because they're finding out, hey, the national brand manager, I'm going to call him because he's going to fix it. And, you know, what I caution everybody is I stay in my lane. I don't, I'm not, it's not that I'm not willing to help. I am not part of any of the commercial process. I'm not, I don't know who their dealer is. I don't know what the agreement was. You know, F&I is a huge deal, you know, the finance, the insurance. So I don't know the package of individuals. Here's what I say. We have to continue pushing to help people get back to being with their family at a campsite where I see the opportunity. For example, somebody has a major issue. They communicate back to the dealership. The de dealership says, hey, it's either the manufacturer or it's something that we can work through if it's you know parts or whatever. If that doesn't work, the, where I'm seeing the huge frustration isn't so much with the acknowledgement of, you know, there was a failure, you know, in something, unless it's substantial. It's the lack of communication and the time it takes. 
You know, I've heard cases where, you know, even it with that aren't even our brands. People have said, yeah, I talked to the manufacturer. They're willing to fix it, but they want me to go from New Mexico back to Elkhart to get it fixed. And I'm not going to do that. So both sides, it's not fair. At least that manufacturer is willing to fix it, but you're saying no. And then you don't want to go to the dealership. You want to do it yourself because of time. So I think that's the challenge is, you know, the industry has to be faster at getting servicing so people can go back. Remember why you bought an RV, to go to amazing destinations with your family. So if you spend, and this isn't, like I, I remind everybody, this is a huge investment. This isn't buying a big screen TV and then you hit it a couple of times because it's not working. People are spending upwards north of $100,000, $200,000. And, and most of the people now, because of seeing the lifestyle being, you know, blown out to this, you know, uh, you know, a couple being in bikinis on a, you know, on the shoreline of, of the ocean, people are chasing that experience. So when you spend the 80, 100, $200,000, or better yet, you sell your home, your sticks and bricks, and you can't live in it. And then you have to wait three to six months. We have, we are working to figure out how you get somebody that spends that kind of money and can actually go on those trips that they want. So that has to happen. And, and the one thing that I humble myself with, effort means nothing if results aren't happening. So I can be on your show and everybody can say, wow, Willie seems like a really nice guy. He grew up with three sisters. You know, he's real empathetic and kind and hugs everybody. But if I'm not helping what our leadership wants to have happen, which is be a better customer for our dealers or be a better manufacturer for our customers and dealers, then in the end, Willie's just a nice guy that sounds good, but isn't doing anything. Talk to me about, about the, the dealership network a little bit, because I feel like there is a shift happening here where in the past dealers sold RVs. So that was it. I mean, you didn't, there wasn't even, there weren't even marketing people. They're just starting to hire marketing people in the last five years at a lot of RV brands, which sounds insane, but dealers sold RVs and now we're in this world that everything is online, everything's digital, everybody's talking to each other on, on in Facebook groups and, and forums and stuff. And, um, and then we have people like you there that are sharing uh, brand messages across social media. Uh, how is that affecting how, how RVs are bought, sold, and, and ordered? So I have a couple examples that I mentioned based on what I'm saying. So to be clear, asterisks. This is of no conversation. This is my own opinion, not on behalf of Heartland Cruiser or DRV. What I'm seeing in the industry across the board is what I saw 12 years ago in my old industry with Kogane out of Japan. We were a global supplier to some of the biggest OEMs in the world. We sold through a dealer network. Back in the 80s, we would fly in, shake a hand, and that given dealer would say, I'm going to be a Kogane dealer. So bring it forward to today. In the RV industry, I wasn't there. I just joined in September. But I believe back in the 80s and 90s, we had dealers located in all different locations across North America, and they owned one location. And then they got home and they gave their wife a hug and, and, and hugged the kids and, and pet the dog and said, guys, we just signed with Heartland. We are a Heartland dealer. The end. They were a Heartland dealer. They had our portfolio. Our sales team went and trained them on everything. 
you know, here's a new trail runner. Here's, here's the features that make ours unique versus other manufacturers. What we're seeing today, and this is just what I'm seeing, dealers are becoming Walmart. And I don't mean that as an insult. My point is this. It is not Walmart's job to sell Coke or Pepsi to mom and Sally. It's their job to have both options on the shelf. As the internet has exploded, everybody's doing research on their own. I have yet to meet anybody, whether it's a first-time RVer, RV miles, to go to a lot, have no idea what they're looking for and say, hey, Frank, we've got $85,000. What do you think that we should buy? What I'm seeing is we are here from New Mexico in Tennessee because online it said you had two, two units. We don't need you to tell us anything. We know more than you do about the coach. So when you have that transition, and maybe I'm wrong, I feel like dealerships now are carrying more brands than ever before. So the money that a given manufacturer spends on flights going in, for example, let's say one of the Thor brands flies in, gets the sales staff pizza, trains them on the Thor brand of product. As they're flying out, they're looking out the window and waving to Winnebago as they're coming in to then talk about their brand of products to the same dealer network. So I think that what we've seen, every brand now is doing what? They're doing videos. They're going direct to the consumer because they're realizing, just like I did 12 years ago, the customers want the information from the manufacturer because they're doing the research in the comforts of their own home. So they want to see the videos, the floor plans, understand the warranty, what's everything that they're getting. And then at the very last, just like on our Heartland RVS website, type in the zip code where you want to go. And they're making a call to the dealership saying, you've got two units there on the lot. Here's my challenge, though. That doesn't mean the dealership has been devalued because they're, we don't do any of the financing. And as I've been listening and learning, certain dealerships work very, very hard with local credit unions, banks, et cetera. To have unique finance programs, not everybody has a you know, 720 credit score. Not everybody's making a combined income of $120,000. Not everybody's getting approved because of whatever, again, life circumstances that I'm not a part of. So it, it's very, very important for the dealership to secure financing that people can afford, have a program that works within a family's budget. But then what I see is after the transaction, they're dependent on us to make a better product. We're dependent on them to service the hell out of our customers so the whole experience is good. They, they buy Heartland, they love Heartland. Heartland's making a better product now. Good job, Willie and team. Now, we, we bought from XYZ Dealer because they had two units on the lot, but I'll tell you this, they've been fantastic. Anytime we have an issue, we go there. We're in and we're out. We get service within 48 hours. Everything's taken care of, or the price is very competitive and it's not a big deal. It's worth, that's, a, that's a perfect scenario, but you and I both know we're not there yet. So once we get there, then I think that you're going to have, um, you know, this evolution of what else can the dealership partnership do with uh, us as the manufacturer? Yeah, and we, we've got we've got dealerships now saying, you know, they deliver nationwide, and they're all good. They, we used to be one sold this brand and they couldn't the the one the other one in the town couldn't sell the same brand and then some of the manufacturers make two brands that are identical in order to service both of those dealers and all of that sort of facade of stuff is having to go away because 
like you said, people are just doing this all online now and they're willing to travel to get an RV and all that sort of stuff. Well, and, and the one thing I'll say to that, right? So I get a lot of people that, you know, are asking me and, and these are, you know, uh, other professionals that I know from previous experience in other industries. And they say, well, Willie, you know, what's your feeling on, you know, if you go and, you know, meet with a dealership and you find out that they sign with, you know, one of your competitors, I don't, I don't care. Because it's our job to tell our story, speak our truth, engage with the customer. And I think, like I said, what you're going to see, and we've seen it, right? Like, I'm not going to mention anyone's name, but you and I know that there are some brands that have done a very, very good job of, and I don't even call it marketing, listening to the customer, being faster to react to the customer. So I think moving forward, I don't care if I meet a dealer and they... I mean, I'm not doing any, any, I'm not doing any of the commercial or sales, but if they tell any of our sales staff, Hey, uh, we're signing nine other brands, who cares? They're putting it all on the shelf. But if we do our job, if we have engagement, it's no different than RV miles, right? There's a lot of noise out there, but the reason that I follow you guys so much is because you guys just aren't glam and fab. You guys are working very, very hard. You put in a lot of time to share the latest information, press releases of everything for the industry. And I give you guys a lot of credit. There's value that you're providing. Same thing with a given manufacturer. If we just continue to talk about, well, you know, our floor plans have triangles and there's our squares. It's a commodity. So people really want to know the truth. At $94,000, what are we getting from a Heartland product versus any other brand, period? Not better or worse. 90% of the components are supplied parts. We don't make them. TVs, appliances, um, you know, the bedding. So that culmination of being honest and realizing that you've got to bring more value. And if you build the following and you're consistent and it's a better product and the dealers are doing a great job servicing, guess what happens? Heartland starts to emerge as the better brand. People talk. And, and, and that's the race, I think, is... You can't say anything anymore. We are back to, um, you know, and, and many people have talked about it. Back in the 20s, 30s, I mean, I wasn't around then. You had Main Street. <laughs> you didn't have the internet. Your car went three miles an hour. Um, I mean, you were going only to Bob the Butcher. So Bob the Butcher was the only option you had. Nowadays, people can go anywhere. So if they can go anywhere, our meat better be really good meat or people are going to talk about it. So I keep saying all the time, actions over words, talk is cheap. I tell people, do your research. Don't fall in love with what I'm saying. Do your research. I talk about Harland made a big investment. For example, RVs used to be made the sidewalls of Luan. We made a change. All of our products went to Asdale Composite. The only difference, it's not a big pitch and other brands do it too. Luan was wood-based, Asdale is not. So guess what doesn't happen? Delamination, because you don't have the wood in the substrate. But that's an example of a change that we made. Does it make the product better? Yeah, I think it helps. So that's what we have to stay focused on doing is continue to listen and make a better product and listen to our customers on their experience with the dealership. And then that, I think, is the communication where we say, hey, how can we work together? Maybe the dealer comes back to us and says, we're spending too much time in PDI. You guys, you know, there's too much sawdust. People hate seeing a dirty coach. Uh, <laughs> you know, true. or maybe I have a dealer that 
Maybe I have a dealer that loves us and says, we don't have a vacuum. Well, we need you to buy one. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true we all we all talk about how two years later there's always sawdust coming out of our ceiling vents and stuff like that and but. you know what and i'll just say this <laughs> anybody that owns a sticks and bricks the only reason why you don't see the dry or the the sawdust from the two by fours of your framing it's because you've got drywall sealing off everything yeah so well, that's the hole in the drywall <laughs> that's a big thing that i think a lot of people in the industry are talking about and you've talked about to me several times is that is is adjusting the expectations of the customer to help them realize that these units are a lot more like buying a house than they are like buying a car, which is made by robots. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and what I'm saying, and I'm not trying to speak out both sides of my mouth. I know that there's opportunities. I know that if we have 10 customers that are happy and there's no problems with their unit, if we built 11 units in a day, Maybe one, uh, somebody on the line putting up the trim just got a phone call that, you know, uh, his wife left him or something happened to the kids. Is he probably going to be focused on doing a really good job? Probably not. And then is that going to be exposed when somebody's excited and they hear from, you know, uh, Abby and Jason, like, hey, this is a great unit. And they go, oh, this one sucks. Coaching opportunity, right? But at the same time, too, I have never seen anything to where the the maintenance and the education was more important than an rv and this is the example that i talk about a lot you know as well friends will say to me hey will now that you're harlan i want to buy one from you because you're my buddy well i can't sell direct so you got to find from one of our dealers number one number two i say to them before you buy an rv i don't give a crap what brand you buy do you know how to do any maintenance oh yeah sure i'm handy i said oh really so you've owned a home for 10 years, right? Yep. You have a water heater? Yep. How many times have you drained it? Oh, never. You're supposed to every year. And these are the things, when you own a home, you let stuff go and you can get away with it because it's not constantly wobbling. When you buy an RV, or as I've heard from people say a wobbly box, they're constantly shaking. I'm not making excuses. But yet, I have the humility to acknowledge that even on RV miles, you know, there isn't one brand that's perfect. Unless, of course, they're a branded influencer. They're going to tell you it is, but that's crap, too. <laughs> they require a lot of maintenance yeah. at this point. And the only way that's going to change is, in my opinion, if somebody's willing to pay $600,000 for a travel trailer, and what it's going to be is a full stainless steel uh, you know, uh, transport uh, trailer uh, that you see on a semi you know, with a semi axle, and because it's all steel and welded corners, you're not going to have any leaking issues. And then on the inside, uh, if it's if it's built of all steel and you're willing to pay for that, then, yeah, you're not going to have issues. But when you're buying a unit at 60, 20, 80 thousand dollars, as I look at real estate market right now, and I don't care across North America, Gary, Indiana, Kalamazoo, Michigan, uh, California. I look online for a sticks and bricks home that's about 20, 30, 40, 50 thousand. They're not looking that nice. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the other, just remember what you're buying and at what price. Uh, you're, you're, you're buying a home on wheels at 20, 30, 40, 50,000. You're going to have to do a lot more than you do with a $150,000 home. Yeah. You, uh, you are a breath of fresh air, uh, certainly in the industry. And you also host a fantastic podcast that we were fortunate to be on. 
the Where's Willie podcast. Uh, tell us about that and how people can find it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if anybody wants to tune in, it's called the Where's Willie podcast.com. That's where you go to the website. Um, we did a good job of just kind of outlining what the show's about. And to be very, very clear, I'm not reporting uh, anything about the news of the industry. I'm bringing on guests, whether it's, you know, celebrities. Uh, we had John King, who's a tremendous uh, up and rising uh, country music star. People are listening, you know, at, at campsites around the country. And I just want people to share their life's journey. Um, this is something that, again, I brought from my previous uh, experience where I had a podcast audio version of how it's made. So I interviewed different manufacturers to talk about, you know, what it was that they made and they kind of shared the history of the company. Now what I'm doing is I'm just interviewing guests to kind of share their story or I'm interviewing, you know, some of the suppliers in the industry or, you know, you and I had the pleasure of meeting the RV Technical Institute. As I'm in this industry and I've got my ears open, every day I'm learning about different organizations, whether they're a 501c3 nonprofit like carecamps.com. I, I never knew that there was a camp designed for kids with childhood cancer. And that started with KOA. I thought, this is awesome. I want people to share their story. So the uh, when you're a guest on the show, it's your half hour to talk about what it is that you do. So whether it is like I said, a, a 501c3 nonprofit in the world of camping or RVing. If you are a manufacturer of a component, you know, I had on uh, WineGuard because I think that all of the sales folks and the people that don't live in these things, they don't understand how the WineGuard system works. So I said, why should I try to BS people? Let them come on and explain what the hell the, you know, WineGuard 360 plus is and how it works and talk about prep. So that's the purpose of the podcast. And it's just, Another, you know, media for me to just expand on the information that I'm processing as I'm working to help our company be better for our customers and dealers. Well, Willie, it is always great to hear your voice and to see your face. And thanks so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You can check out the Where's Willie podcast wherever you listen to this one. And of course, check out Heartland Cruiser and DRV. Thanks a lot, Willie. Electrical surge protection is one of the cheapest insurance policies you can provide for your RV, and the Power Watchdog Smart Surge Protector, made by Hughes Autoformers, beats the competition with field-replaceable surge modules. With other brands, when the surge protector takes a large surge or a spike, you have to throw it away. The Power Watchdog can be brought back to life with one small, affordable part you can replace yourself. They'll even give you a free surge module in the first two years, and they now have a limited lifetime warranty. Use the coupon code RVMILES, all one word, for 10% off your order at HughesAutoformers.com. That's RV Miles for 10% off at HughesAutoformers.com. Find your next camping adventure with the Spot Tonight app. Spot Tonight offers real-time visibility across numerous campgrounds available for immediate booking. Easy to use and free to download. With Spot Tonight, you can build a traveling profile, share parks with friends via messaging, and mark your favorite campgrounds. Travelers can search for specific parks that meet their exact needs for tonight and beyond. No more blind searches in hopes of finding an available spot. Simply look, book, and go. Campground owners, download the Spot Tonight app and see how your park can join a vastly expanding network. For more information, visit spottonight.com or simply download the app in the Apple or Google Play stores. Look, book, and go with Spot Tonight.
All right, it is time to check the level of our tanks. Jason, what is in your black tank this week? Uh, we were driving past the Walmart in this area, and I have never seen so many people taking advantage. Mm -hmm. And by taking advantage, I mean in the bad way of Walmart's graciousness in allowing them to overnight mm -mm. at a campground. There were people with, with there were at least two fifth wheels that that were dropped off and the truck's gone. So they yep. were gone exploring. So they're using it as like a campground where they've left their, their trailer there and have gone out exploring or doing whatever. And then there was another one that had their chairs out and their barbecue <laughs> out and they're like cooking outside in the Walmart parking lot. People, Walmart is not a campground. It there, is just a stop at nine o'clock at night when you are tired and you need to sleep. That's how we get things taken away from us. That's it's, why we can't have nice Walmarts in this it, world. It, it is. And, and I will say this Walmart, um, specifically, I do know that because I went up to one and saw a sign that they left they left a note on one of their windows this Walmart wanted you to check in wanted you to tell one that wanted to tell you where where you're gonna park and and wanted to let you know their sort of their rules there and I, I it's just really sad when people take advantage of that kind of thing and uh, and ruin it for the rest of us so there you have it all right what's in your fresh tank uh, my fresh tank is disc golf now oh yes we have look it's been five years we've been on the road yeah this now, is nothing new we didn't just like come up with the so, new it game but we we remember when we first started on the road we would be in a campground and we'd see like or or state park or whatever and we'd see uh -huh. these these disc golf goals i guess tees whatever they are not, they're not tees. The, the, the holes the yeah. the the goal yeah, um, we they, know our golf terminology. Well, right, it's right? not golf terminology because golf in golf terminology is a hole, but it's not a hole. Um, I think it's a goal. I think okay. they call it a goal. Sure. We would Someone's see these, these basket and chain things in campgrounds and be like, "What the heck are those? Is that like a scientific instrument? Is that for like uh, no measuring I, tornado wind speed or something?" I would be like. I actually, for a while, was like, "Do you just do you put your cats in this? <laughs> is like, for your is this cats a to play? place to store your cats while you're like enjoying the green grass, or do you hook up your pets?" So po to this? point being, for a long time, there were these disc golf course courses everywhere, and we didn't mm -hmm. see anybody using them very often. And now, over the course of like the last year or two, we've been seeing more courses, but more importantly, we've seen more people using mm -hmm. them. Um, and we had never done it or gotten into it, tried it, anything like that. As a part of our visit to the RV Entrepreneur Summit here, uh, they arranged a, a, a disc golf outing for everybody at this place called Top of the Pines, which is in Ridgeway, Colorado, literally 11,000 feet yeah. up in the mountains, yeah. disc golf course. It was awesome. It was great and the kids had a blast and doing we were it awful we were we so were bad so <laughs> bad at it but no one cared it was just so much fun and it's kind of like playing golf but without like without the greens fees um and it's kind of like going on a hike with a frisbee really pretty much uh, yeah. but you can't call it a frisbee it's a disc it's a disc don't call it a frisbee yes and 
Uh, and and you get to like you know throw throw the disc around and and try to make some goals with and they're they're most of the courses are free. Yes, and our new friend Joe, who we met during the summit, is an amazing disc golf player, and he's played this Top of the Pines course tons of time, and he was giving us the coolest instructions, and he was zipping that disc because there are just trees. There are nature is everywhere up there and it is constantly in your way. And he was zipping those discs. Like it was just phenomenal. But everyone phenomenal. around here was pretty good. Heath Padgett was pretty, yes, pretty darn Heath good at it good. too. Like it's very clear that it's a lifestyle. <laughs> and if you have one around you, it's definitely a lifestyle. Like my dad has gotten into it. My brother is really into it. And then our friend Joe, our, on the last day of the summit, he brought over some discs for us so yeah. that our family could keep playing. Cause Henry, by the end of that outing was attempting 360s before releasing his disc like he was getting so into it and then Heath had a goal set up at the campground and I would find Henry early in the morning like he'd wake up get dressed and run out the door and he'd be down there in the main community area tossing practicing the disc throwing it into the goal so I think we're disc golfers now are we well listen we're we're amateur disc golfers (laughs) my brother claims that he lost 20 pounds playing disc golf so we'll see yeah it might have been cutting the mountain dew but that's all right (laughs) yeah look let him live his best life in whatever way he needs that to be i guess (laughs) all right what's in your black tank this week so my black tank this week goes to just the really tough air quality that we had at the beginning of the week and that i know that you know thousands and thousands of people have been suffering from Last year, during our time here in Colorado, and then as we moved through up towards Yellowstone, I don't believe we kind of experienced some of the uh, physical conditions we experienced this week boondocking, especially for our kids, because of the air quality. The first few days that we were boondocking, this area was was under an air quality advisory, and I could definitely see that the kids were getting a little bit more congested. Um, They just didn't, nobody felt good. And I think that that was exacerbated because we were boondocking and we weren't able to run air conditioning and kind of filter all that out. So it was just 24-7 of constantly being outdoors. But it just kind of reinforces, I mean, just how rough this season, this fire season has been and continues to be. And, you know, just the little bit of time that we spent in it you know, I, I really feel for those of you living with this on a regular basis because those few days were really tough. And then over the weekend, it was such a blessing. The wind shifted and the wind shifted and then the views are spectacular once you can see them. Yeah. Like just truly phenomenal at that campground. Gorgeous. All right, what's in your fresh tank? So my fresh tank is what we've been kind of talking about on and off this whole podcast, and that is the RVE Summit. That was probably one of my, it will go down as one of my favorite weeks in the five years that we have been on the road. It was phenomenal. And Heath and Alyssa are truly just gems of human beings who put something together that was just so needed And I learned so much from those who gave their time to do a session and talk about their experience as entrepreneurs and really challenge us. And you and I have walked away with some big ideas, but also um, 
some small ideas in the sense of changes that we need to make. And I'm very sad that this is the last one. <laughs> yeah. So if you are the RV entrepreneur is was Heath's podcast and Heath and Alyssa's brand. Um, and there the, the podcast is still available. He has he's ended the podcast mm-hmm. now, but you can still listen to lots and lots of episodes where you know he Heath's whole thing was he got on the road not being an entrepreneur and wanted to learn to be one. So he decided to interview a bunch of smart people. And that's what every episode of the RV Entrepreneur podcast really is. And and you can listen to through to those if you want to be somebody who um, lives a nomadic life and running a business from the road, that sort of thing. Um, and we're not just talking about being an RV content creator. Yeah, like yeah. He really went out there and he found individuals who were doing all types of businesses from the road. So you don't have to listen and say, well, I just want to be in the RV sphere. That is that's the beauty of that podcast is that it is not just about having a business around the RV industry. As a matter of fact, a small portion of it is yeah. RV industry. It's, it's fantastic. And it, so they have now bought this campground property here in Montrose, Colorado, and they're building what they are calling a modern campground. Mm-hmm. Um, campground 2.0. Yeah. They're really, they're trying to come up with a name for it and stuff still. I think they've settled on something, but, uh, but it's going to be like a campground where you can, arrive and have like co-working space and meet people and they're still going they're not going to have another rv entrepreneur summit like the one we just went to but they're going to have other sort of nomadic entrepreneur events up here in this area in this area like some of the some of the people moving here it's sort of becoming yeah. like a hot spot for people who are rv entrepreneurs yeah i may have peeked around at property <laughs> real and like, see what the real estate situation is in this area because it's a really great, you know, Montrose is uh, such a great jumping off point. And we're actually going to talk about Montrose on a upcoming episode, but it's a great jumping off point for Ure and Telluride and you've got Gunnison and you've got Black Canyon of the Gunnison. And, you know, it is, it, we love this portion of Colorado a lot. And it's not as busy as the rest of Colorado. For now. Although I do believe that the secret is out about Black Canyon of the Gunnison. Um, But, you know, it was was just a really special week. And it far exceeded my expectations, especially from a family standpoint. Uh, There were a lot more families there in all different ages. Just, you know, the community that was there was so varied which was really fascinating and it really offered an opportunity to discuss entrepreneurship in all sorts of arenas. And then of course, I just I have to thank everyone that was there and everyone who came to listen to us talk Friday night because that was really one of the most amazing things I think that we have ever done with RV Miles yeah. to stand up there on a Friday night and share our story and then share what we believe are some things, you know, that you need to do that are hard to do as entrepreneurs um, was I'll remember it for the rest of my life. Like it was an incredible experience. I thought I was going to vomit right before we got on stage. I was so nervous, <laughs> but I didn't vomit. Uh, and it seemed like it, it was just great. I, I miss it already. Yeah, it was it was a whole lot of fun. 
Yeah. All right. It is time to wrap up this episode with a tip. And this tip comes from me via a guy I saw at a campground. <laughs> so, so, so random stranger tip. I've been meaning to share this one for a while. And my apologies if I already did at some point. I don't think I did. I think I've been yeah. telling people in person about this tip. But I don't think I've mentioned it on the podcast yeah, yet. Yeah, we went back and forth on whether or not to share this <laughs> one. But we talked – you shared it at one of the sessions yeah. on Sunday. Mark and Julie Bennett, for RV Love, came over and we all talked to RV Hacks because they just put this awesome book out that's all about RV Hacks. And so you had you brought this particular one up and we were sitting here talking and we kept going, have you just been saying it in person? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Or what? So we'll so see. We, we were at a campground where it was raining. Uh, it rained about three times that week mm -hmm. when we were, it was in uh, North Carolina. And there was a gentleman who had one of these big car washing brushes. We have one um, so that you can wash your RV. But, you know, most campgrounds don't want you to wash your RV in the campground because right. they don't want you to use all that water. They don't want all the soap so, going on the ground, all that sort of yeah, stuff. irrigation, all that. But you get tons of bugs on the front of your RV. You get dirt and mud and all that sort of stuff. So every time it would rain, this guy would run out with his brush and start <laughs> scrubbing the RV down without having to use any water. And I thought it was a brilliant idea. And I'm going to use it from here on out. Yeah, so as long as the weather is cooperative and it's not freezing cold rain, uh, that could be very refreshing yeah. to run out there and, yeah, and play in the damp. rain and, and clean your RV at the very same time. You so call it a shower too while you're at it. No, you really can't. <laughs> uh, you're going to need a shower after that. Uh, but Thank you to the gentleman in the campground that we happen to see doing that. Of course, um, we've now been here in Colorado for 14 days and we've yet to see any rain. So we haven't been able to test that except, except whatever came over us Saturday night for a very brief moment. We had a lot of real close lightning. That was unlike anything I've ever experienced. And we'll tell this really quick and then we'll get out of here with this episode for the day. But it's about one o'clock in the morning. It's a Friday night, I believe, Friday or Saturday night, one o'clock in the morning, and lightning and thunder starts. And it is very, they're very close together. Like it's happening almost simultaneously. So you know that that storm is pretty much sitting on top of you, but it's not raining. And, you know, our kids, our kids wake up, two of the three wake up. And I'm out in the living room talking with our oldest. And all of a sudden, I hear it before I see it. And it was so loud. And it was, I'm telling you, it was standing right on top of us. And someone told me a story that that particular strike, that their partner had gotten up and was standing at the window and had their hands on the, uh, the frame of the window, so the metal part of the window. And when that happened, they got shocked. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And wow. she jumped back and wow. was like, what on earth? It lasted for 10 minutes. It rolled in as fast as, you know, rolled out as fast as it came in. But it was about nine minutes of me being like, so do what do, uh, should we stay? <laughs> like, <laughs> where are you going to go? I mean, you're not going to go do? anywhere, but let's all just stand in the center of the room. Uh, so that was quite an adventure too in the summit. Just another thing to add to the, the week, the excitement of the week. Yeah, it was a lot of fun though. And Colorado is wild and wacky with the weather sometimes. Yes. But. And this week was totally the example of that. So thank you so much for joining us this week. I think that is it for the RV Miles podcast. 
As a reminder, if you are enjoying this show, will you help us reach this very lofty goal of 2,000 five-star reviews over on Apple Podcasts? We cracked 1,000 a couple weeks ago, and we are on our way to that 2,000, but we cannot do it without you. So if you have a moment, would you please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave RV Miles a five-star review? This very simple action helps get us in front of a whole new audience. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Finally, if you're headed to Amazon, we'd love to go with you. Just start at amazon.com slash shop slash RV miles and everything you purchase, we get a little kickback. All right. Until then, it's time for us to vroom, vroom our way to Vegas. We've got some NASCAR to check out and we will see you on the very next episode. I don't know where I'm going with this. So stay well, stay healthy, enjoy the final days of summer and keep logging those RV miles. Bye everybody. Bye. (laughs) 